everybody, and welcome to Pot on You Loons. Pot on You Loons. It's my second recording in two days. Justin took last night off, but he's back with us, so we're psyched about that. Man, this is going to be a fun podcast, Justin. Oh, so good. So good. I'm, re- I'm really pumped, Sam. I'm really yeah. pumped. Yeah, yesterday was like my day of soccer, remember? In the previous episode, I talked about how guilty I was going to feel. Um <laughs> My daughter did a good job during the FA Cup, so I, I didn't have to feel guilty about that. And of course, she went to bed actually a little bit before this game started. She was yeah. wiped out, I guess, from all the excitement of the FA Cup. Which, was, was she was she super bummed when Pulisic got hurt too? Yeah, I you, you know you probably haven't listened to the episode we just published yet, but on the recording, I talked about how my wife heard me so upset and she just assumed that arsenal scored and i was like no oh. it's even worse it's it's even worse our boy christian pulisic the, pri- the, the pride and the hope the hope of american soccer sam Ugh. well i mean i don't want to say it's just a hamstring injury but it's just a hamstring injury he'll be able to recover from it i think what would be most concerning is this isn't the first hamstring injury he's had this season so i don't i don't know like it's getting into fantasy football season. I've been a big fantasy football player for a long time, and I'm a big fan of Stefania Bell on ESPN, who always talks about the soft tissue injuries. And when you talk about an athlete being injury prone, there's a difference between being injury prone and just unlucky, right? Like breaking your arm is unlucky, but having these soft tissue injuries multiple times in a season that might mean that you're injury prone now this has been a weird circumstance right where you're playing so many games back to back to back in the summertime when you're more dehydrated so those types of injuries are also more likely to happen when you're fatigued so right and we've talked we've talked about you know the the stats are showing that a lot of guys are a lot of guys are having hamstring injuries with this return to play so it's not just something that specifically happened to Christian, but it, it hits a little closer to home when it's your golden boy. Right. Well, and tie it to the loons, right? Like Kevin Molino, we're mm-hmm. waiting for him to come back from a hamstring injury. Right. So. And you don't want to rush it, right? Because that that's one of those things that can just keep getting re-injured. You know, we're talking about other sports. Like, I'm a huge Vikings fan, and Adam Thielen's season was hampered tremendously by a hamstring injury that he re-injured multiple times. So, uh, yeah, they're not great. Anyway, Justin, it's good to have you back. We missed you yesterday, but you were, you were having a grill off. So (laughs) I making some delicious ribs with my wife. It was great. Can't fault you for that. Besides, you know, um, you were watching the game with us and you were in our group chat, but Arsenal and Chelsea are not your team. So it was super fun to watch though. Yeah. Really had a good time. It's always fun when you have a group of people watching a game. And even though we weren't together in the same room, we were talking about it. And it was a good time. It it was almost as if we were all together. So speaking of interactions, it's been great for those of you who have been following us on social media and interacting with us there, uh, most specifically Facebook and Twitter, where we are pod loons on both platforms. Highly appreciated those of you who have followed us and especially those of you who have been interacting with us. Honestly, it's just fun. Yes. I want to grow the podcast, but it's also just kind of fun to interact with the people who are listening. So 
thank you guys. And, you know, there's more of you out there listening. Follow us, man. We're fun people. Yeah, get it, get, in, get into this party, man. This is a good time. Good time <laughs> for everybody. Well, let's get into the show. We'll start off with a little bit of news. So not much news today because we last recorded not too long ago. On Friday night, Forward Madison FC opened up their new home away from home in suburban Milwaukee with a 0-0 draw to Greenville. I was able to watch a decent amount of it on replay on Saturday morning, and I definitely missed the atmosphere of Bree Stevens, but I was pretty impressed with how social distance the crowd appeared. It seemed, from my perspective, and I'm on the more cautious side, just kind of knowing that the nature of my job means that I have more exposure and I don't want to spread anything. So I've been on the cautious side in regards to COVID. I actually felt like I would have felt relatively safe going to a game like that. You could just tell, like, I guess I, I didn't see it myself, Sam, but like explain what, what did you see that was, that was noteworthy? It's just in the bleachers, no one was anywhere near each other unless they came together. You know, and anytime they showed fans walking, they all had the masks on. They did allow you to take your mask off if you were eating or drinking in your seat. But anytime you were done eating or drinking, you were expected to put your mask back on. And then obviously, if you left your seat, you had to have your mask on as well. But mostly it was just how spaced out they were. Mm. I think they said, I think they said a little over 1000 people showed up. And I forget how much that stadium fits, maybe like 6000 or something. People seem pretty spaced out. How did how did singing and stuff like did they sing or was there not any singing from the crowd? I didn't hear or see any singing. So I don't know if that was like. So, for example, at the church my wife and I go to, we are not supposed to sing. Mm. We haven't gone to it. We we watch it on YouTube. But if we were to go in person, we're not supposed to sing. So I'm not sure if the flock, the supporters group for Forward Madison, if they just decided no singing, but I did not hear singing there. Gotcha. Well, anyway, let's get to this wonderful, dominant performance yeah, by United against San Jose. So the game was last night, and I loved, I always love, you, you know, being a Northern boy, right? Yeah. And, you know, being a Midwesterner even more than being a Northerner. We don't worry about hurricanes at all, right? <laughs> that's that's just not going to happen. We're not there. coming up this way. <laughs> so to hear about hurricane uh, possibilities going oh, into this man. game and to hear one of the commentators is just like, don't worry, the hurricane won't be here until 2 or 5 a.m. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, Okay, so that's does that mean it's time to get the hell out of here? Should we book it? Get everybody, everybody, hop in the van. Let's drive off. Like, <laughs> but because of our mutual friend who lives in South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina, I know that if you live in that region of the world, a hurricane isn't always the scariest thing in the world, and they actually have hurricane parties where <laughs> they will all gather together before it gets dangerous outside so that they can party together in the same house during the hurricane. Oh man. Uh, I know, I know it's not just exclusive to Florida people, but that sounds, that sounds like a super Florida people type thing. Well, you know? 
it also sounds pretty fun. Like my <laughs> my wife and I went to South Carolina almost two years ago, specifically Charleston, and there was a hurricane that was supposed to hit. So we kind of thought we were going to experience our first hurricane party. It wouldn't have been like any of us would have been in danger, but the weather wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been safe to go outside. Right. Inside you would have been totally safe. So we almost got to have a hurricane party, but Charleston did not experience the hurricane and no hurricane party for us. So we we missed it. But still, it's just crazy. Like enough about hurricanes. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I know, you know, this game leading up to this game, you know, obviously we're nervous as fans because we want to see our team move on. But but I know that Sam and I talked a lot leading up you know, through text messages and even in in previous podcasts about the concern about whether or not Molino or Metanair would be involved in the game. They were referred to as game time decisions earlier in the week, but when the lineup came out, neither of them were, were in the starting, the starting group. Molino was on the bench. He was available to play. Didn't, didn't play however, but he was available, but we found out that Metanair was not available. So Makes me a little nervous because I know how important Metanair, we both know how important Metanair is to the success of the Loons. You know, he's the all-star from last year. Surprise signing last season that paid off huge and has been a big part of the success that we've had this year. So uh, it was a bummer not having him available. It was nice to hear, though, that Molina was available on the bench. You know, shows that he's improving and, and might be a part of the team's plans this next week. Who knows? Yeah, and I thought Hassani Dotson, we'll get into the lineup uh, in just a few seconds, but I thought Hassani Dotson did a great job filling in for Roman Metinair in his absence. And I always forget, right, because he hasn't, Hassani Dotson has not <laughs> played a lot of right back for right. Minnesota United, but that's his natural position. That was what we drafted <laughs> him as a right back. And here he's just been like a do-it-all midfielder, like right. put, him in, put him in defensive midfield, put him on the wing, let him fill in in any any position on the field. We forget because Ramon Matinair plays so much that Hassani Dotson actually right back. But mm-hmm. I'll let you do the lineup, Justin. Uh, <laughs> so it was a 4-3-3. What do we line up with? So Miller, Miller, the, the mustached hero in goal, who is growing on me, Sam. I'm becoming a believer in him the longer we play. Backline was Gasper, Boxel, Aha, and Dotson. In the middle, we had Hayes, Jacory Hayes. He got his first start for the team, so that was that was good to see. You know him him in the lineup to kind of see what it would look like if he got some more playing time. We had Gregus with him, kind of paired in the middle with Alonzo. You know, in this that sixth position behind the two of them, and then up front, uh, Lode, Amaria, and Finlay. Let, like we're led the charge up front. Yeah, and we've talked uh, really since this tournament has gotten going how predictable the starting 11 for Minnesota United usually is. But this was kind of the first time in a while where I didn't know what they were going to do. Like, I actually right. kind of wondered if, I think if you would have made me put out my prediction for the starting 11, I might have had Marlon Harrison starting mm-hmm. as a right back and would have still had Hassani Dotson in that midfield role. This is the first time where I would have gotten it wrong. 
And mm-hmm. that's not because I'm some sort of genius. It's just because <laughs> typically with Adrian Heath and the team that we have, our lineup has been quite predictable. Yeah, and I, I didn't know. I mean, obviously, Ja'Cory Hayes has, has got a chance to play with us, you know, in a couple games here. But I did not realize how high he was on on Adrian Heath's, Heath's list. You know, like the fact that when guys go down with injury, he was he was one of the first people to be inserted. Speaks speaks highly of him, and I mean we'll talk about it later. I think that it was a good move because the guy had a great game. Yeah, and again, moving Hassani Dotson to right back that was also a great move. He had a great game as well. Yeah, Sam may have said that the starting eleven was was unpredictable, but you know what was super predictable? The subs. We saw some familiar faces, uh, some guys that just seemed to continue to get looks late late in games. Aaron showed fell the big celery and Raheem Edwards. They both got in. Uh, Harrison hasn't played a, a ton, but he has. We have seen him so far this season, so got a chance to see him again as well. Yeah, and our unused subs. We had Kevin Molino, who we know is still recovering. I I don't know if he would have made an appearance if we would have really needed some offensive power, but with the lead we had, why risk putting him in? James Musa on the bench, Brent Coleman, Canadian Greg. Mason Toy, who I'm still not sure what his health is. Yeah. We haven't, again, with the MLS, you don't always get a ton of news. I'm not finding anything when I try to look up how Mason Toy is doing. And then as 16-year-old Fred Emmings also on the bench. And to, to note with that, right, what did, what did Mason Toy go down with, buddy? That was a hamstring, you know? So, you know, maybe it's lingering. Maybe Wasn't- that's... Wasn't it? Oh, no. Amaria was his groin. Right. Yeah. So who knows if, you know, all that that time off, you know, it was just another one of those injuries that kind of be, can be attributed to the big gap in the season. And I don't know if this was a typo, but Thomas Chacon wasn't on the list of subs when I, I forget what app I was on. Huh. I know he was in the post-game picture when they were in the <laughs> locker room. The celebration picture? Yeah. He had his mask on which I thought was a few players had their mask on, which I, I kind of thought since they're in the bubble and they're all sweating on each other, I didn't know if, you know, I'm, I'm all about wearing the mask, but I, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be wearing a mask if I was in a locker room with a bunch of guys that I shared a bubble <laughs> with, but huh. Sam, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the loons official Twitter account and he's, he's in their bench. So okay, um, may have just been the place that you looked. Must've been. Yeah. Let's get to the game. So in the first half, Minnesota United came really attacking right out the gate. San Jose is goalkeeper. He possibly was hurt after colliding with Boxall. I'm not sure what the truth was to the commentary crew talking about Minnesota United trying to take advantage of a potentially injured goalkeeper, but Minnesota kept peppering him with shots. Not always great shots, but kept peppering them with shots. And then, uh, Justin, this is going, I'm going to keep doing this until, uh, I don't need to anymore, but Justin, what happened in the 20th minute? Oh man, your boy, Robin, he is, he's finding a way to silence the haters. I think, I think he's finally coming around and, and I think we're starting to see why Adrian Heath consistently puts him in the lineup. He may have his deficiencies. He may have his, his rough moments, but your boy, Robin load 20th minute. Scored a goal. Yeah, and a lot of his goals this year have been kind of right place, right time. 
Right. You know, it wasn't like the Amaria goal we'll get to oh. later. Um, <laughs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss, man. Oh. Where, where it was kind of all him, but it was a set piece. San Jose tried to clear the ball, but it was uh, knocked back in. I forget if it was Aha or Dotson that knocked the ball back in. And Robin Lud got a hold of it. Both Aha and Dotson were credited with an assist. And boom, up one nothing. Yeah, the next goal, and it didn't take long, huh? Next goal, we had Ja'Cory Hayes. Was it really in the 21st minute? Was there only one minute between goals? Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know if it was exactly one minute, but yeah, I didn't check out how many seconds in between. But yeah. <laughs> but still, regardless, right? To have to have such goals, even like uh, several minutes apart, that's huge. Dotson takes a long shot. It was blocked. Finlay gets the rebound and passes it to Hayes for the goal. I mean, like you said, I think, you know, what this team is good at is taking advantage of those opportunities. A lot of goals off of these rebounds. Guys are just flying to the ball or flying to the goal, excuse me, and they're looking to clean up and they're capitalizing on that. Yeah, absolutely. Chikori Hayes, first goal for Minnesota United. Awesome to see him get that. We've we've talked about that with all these players. Getting that first goal is important to them. Getting on the stat sheet is important right. to those players as they come into the team. Uh, but enough about that, because we have more serious topics to talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about the chair. Oh, <laughs> Matias Almeida, his chair. Let's talk about adjusting, because it was clearly very important. Well, it wasn't Almeida's chair, right? Wasn't it the Orlando guy's chair? Was the Orlando coach just watching the game? Yeah, they so that was the so what what happened was is that they just kept showing Orlando's because Orlando was going to play the winner. Uh, they kept cutting toward the Orlando coach watching the game from what looks to me like a director's chair. If if you can picture it in your head, like it's got like it's like a wooden chair, cloth back or whatever, and it's like a little higher up on the ground, off the ground than a normal chair. And the guys covering the game just could not get over this chair. They kept talking about the chair. The conversation was like, we have a game going on that's two to nothing. And they're like, is that a, is that a, what is like a tennis referee chair? (laughs) Maybe it's a, maybe it's a lifeguard chair. Like (laughs) I, you could tell, you could tell that I think bubble life is getting to them as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't even think they're in the bubble. I think they're back at the studio. Or maybe it's just they're just tired yeah. of each other. Like they just been around each other so much. <laughs> I almost switched to Callum Williams and Kendra De Sanabin. <laughs> <laughs> I just if I could figure out a way to sync up oh. their commentary because I really like our commentary crew of uh, Callum and Kendra, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean. I, it was ni- like it was easier to listen to. T- we keep getting Taylor, by the way. Yeah, is, is this, this must be like the A team, which he's, we should take. We should uh, take as a compliment, right? We should take that as a compliment if we're getting the the quote A team, right? He's the MLS's back tournaments, Joe Buck, right? Like, <laughs> oh, it's like oh my gosh, it's just sometimes just like the conversations they have and just the rants that they go on. I don't know. If, maybe I'm talking ahead of myself, but there was a quote that I brought up to you, Sam, when we were watching the game that Taylor Twelman said, what's the most surprising thing of the tournament so far? And what's the other guy's name? John Champion. John Champion says that we're still talking to each other. And I, and I, I was like, it's like, I could take multiple ways. 
that that the tournament is still happening, which is one element, <laughs> but also like the fact that I still have to be with you <laughs> is shocking to me. John Champion must listen to the Big CF. <laughs> I think I think John Champion's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Man? Uh, well, let's get into the second half. We started the second half with an unfortunate handball called on Ja'Cory Hayes. Ugh. It led to a penalty kick. Yeah, super unfortunate because it's not like Luis Suarez did, right? Right. It's not even like the ball was heading towards the goal. It, they were off to the side. They were inside the box, of course, and his arm just happened to be where the ball went. Mm-hmm. But according to the rules, that's a penalty. So Magnus Eriksson takes the penalty kick and, of course, scores. But as I mentioned earlier, not long after, Luis Amaria just had a brilliant breakaway and just a perfect finish with his left foot. And now the Loons are up 3-1. You know, the same way in the last game, Justin was texting me negative things about Robin Lud. (laughs) I was texting him. I don't want to say negative things, but just like, where is Luis Amaria? This is supposed to be Mr. 25 goals. Like he's been just so quiet this entire tournament. I was waiting for him to show up and that was sweet, man. That was was sweet. I think that's where you, that's, that's the moment like where it's like, that's why we have that guy. We brought him in for that type of play. You know, there's not a lot of guys on our team that can do that. And that was just a thing of beauty. And I think it put to bed any any worries that maybe he's out of form uh, because that was that was fantastic. It took a situation where we were we were nervous and it, it it flipped the momentum back in our direction. After that, Minnesota appeared in control the entire game, kept the pressure on the entire game. Matias Almeida's man marking system, it's known for causing chaos. It's known for getting defenses out of position but we just never seemed like we were out of position. We never seemed like we were entering chaos. Clearly Adrian Heath has something figured out with San Jose that the rest of the league doesn't see because we were solid. It's crazy because the, all the games that we've watched, Sam, every time we play this team, we dominate them. It doesn't matter, you know, in the last two years, right? Like every time we played this team, we have dominated them. And four, four wins in a row now. Yeah. And, and and it's not like we're getting lucky. I like we are clearly the better team on the on the pitch, which is crazy because I mean, we talked about it before this game. It was like, can we expect that again? Can we expect that utter domination? And surprisingly, right, again, like we, it happens. We thought San Jose finally clicked. We thought San Jose going into this game had finally gotten, you know, seen the light and figured out Almeida's system and that this was going to be a real test for us. And it looked just like when we played them in match week two. Right. Minus all the rain. (laughs) Yeah, that's it's, it's crazy, man. So San Jose does a triple substitution and then our subs start coming in. Aaron Schoenfeld comes on for Luis Amaria in the 61st. Marlon Hairston on for Ja'Cory Hayes in the 67th. And then like clockwork, 
with <laughs> a little over 10 minutes left in regulation. Raheem Edwards comes on for Robin Lud. We close off the game. It was a dominant performance. San Jose had only four shots on target all night compared to Minnesota's 13. And again, even without Icopara and now without Ramon Metinier, Minnesota has still allowed only one goal per game through the five games of this tournament. It's great. We talked about how important it is to kind of, you know, with the tournament, right? Like to just have success, be hot and have that carry you through. I think we're doing it, you know, and obviously I don't want to get ahead of things, right? There's still games to be won, but I think that this team, this team looks great. They look like they're in a good position to have success going forward. Yeah, we started off a little rusty. We started off a little clumsy. It looks like we're in form and I'm having fun. I really Mm -hmm. had a lot of fun watching this game and I am psyched for this Thursday when we take on Orlando at 7 p.m. This, of course, will be the Adrian Heath Derby. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I didn't coin that. I think uh, I think various people have called it the Adrian Heath Derby over the years. But just a little backstory on Adrian Heath and Orlando City. This fixture, anytime it pops up, the media kind of dubs it as the Adrian Heath revenge game because Adrian Heath has a long history with Orlando City as a club. And actually, many of their fans still hold a very positive opinion of Adrian Heath. He was Orlando's original coach, even dating back to when they were a USL club in Austin, Texas, called the Aztecs in 2008. He was their original manager. And then he moved with the club from Austin to Orlando in 2011. Still a USL club, but they rebranded as Orlando City. And while they were in the USL... Adrian Heath led the club to two USL championships and three regular season titles. He was also in charge of the club when they made their jump to the MLS for the 2015 season, which to date, this was Orlando City's best MLS season. Of course, in the following year, after a slow start, Adrian Heath was dismissed in July of 2016. And of course, as we all know, Minnesota United brought Adrian Heath on for our inaugural 2017 season. I also just want to make note quick that Kevin Molino was with Adrian Heath since 2011 when the club moved to Orlando, immediately followed Adrian Heath to Minnesota after he got the job there. I'm not sure if us fans make a bigger deal about this fixture than we should, but I have noticed that Adrian Heath does seem to get just a little extra excited for this fixture. And we've had good results against Orlando for the most part. We actually defeated Orlando during both of our awful first two seasons. In 2018, our first ever MLS away win took place at Orlando. I'll never forget just how jacked Adrian Heath looked after that game. He was so pumped. Of course, last season, we hosted Orlando City for a 1-1 draw, which was almost a loss, if not for just a dramatic 92nd-minute goal by Abu Dunlady. Shout out, Abu. You're my boy, Abu. (laughs) You know, it's. I think think it, it, it has to be special for Adrian. Sam sent me an article. He told me to read it. It was an article talking about when he was 
when he was let go by Orlando. And one of the big things that it talked about was that he, one of his big concerns is that the team wasn't allowing, before he was let go, that the team wasn't allowing him to leave his mark on the roster, that he wasn't being allowed to make the decisions for players. And he said, you know, if, if I was, if I'm able to do this, we're going to have success. If I can put my mark on this team, we're going to have success. And, you know, he didn't have that in Orlando, but he has that now, you know, he has that with Minnesota. And, and, and I think sometimes, you know, that's been kind of one of the issues that the fan base of Minnesota has had is that he kind of is making his own mark and, and putting his own touch on things. Sometimes that that has included getting rid of beloved players. But I think that the man has a plan and I think he has a system in place and system in his mind, you know, that he believes can be successful in this league if he's allowed to have that authority to make those decisions. It's got to feel good for him to start seeing, you know, with with last season, turning the corner and making the playoffs, you know, with this season, obviously, like it's it's different. Right. But like being able to showcase this team in this tournament has to be huge for Adrian. And what better way, what better way to get this team to the final of the MLS's back tournament than to defeat the team that didn't give him a chance? Or, or gave him a chance, but didn't give him a chance to truly do what he wanted to do with an MLS team. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that Adrian Heath would say is that Orlando didn't give him enough time either. Adrian Heath has been mocked a little bit in Minnesota for his three-year plan. Even his doubters have to admit that he delivered on his three-year plan. Oh, totally. You don't have to agree with how he did it. You don't have to agree with the choices he made along the way, but he said we will be a competitive team in our third season, and we were, right? We were in second place in the Western Conference for a large portion of the season, dropped down to fourth, still made the playoffs, still hosted a home home game at the playoffs, and competed well in that game. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way. You got to say that Adrian Heath delivered on what his three-year plan was, what his three-year promise was. And Orlando just didn't give him that time. And it's not like Orlando has been great in his absence. Of course, this year, 2020, Adrian Heath let go in 2016. It's now 2020. And Orlando City, they are the surprise team of the MLS's back tournament. Right. In in the other semifinal, you have Philadelphia and Portland. And maybe those weren't two teams that you picked to reach the final four. But I don't think too many people should be surprised that those two teams were capable of making it this far. Philadelphia has been considered a team on the rise since the last season. And Portland is a blue chip MLS franchise that really should never be counted out of an MLS competition. In our match, you know, Minnesota United, Orlando City, you have us, you know, the the team that no one believed in, but they actually did. Um, <laughs> I think Minnesota was expected to do well in the tournament. And I think people <laughs> definitely, I, I think it was just compared to Columbus and then San right. Jose that Minnesota seemed underhyped. But facing us is Orlando City, which actually no one believed in Orlando City. People are expecting Orlando City to get knocked out right away. On this podcast, 
we made jokes about how do we get in Orlando City's group for <laughs> the group stage. Like we made jokes about right. that. Right, for sure. It seems that things are working. They got their new coach, Oscar Pereja, longtime MLS coach with Dallas and Colorado. Also spent some time in Liga Emekis with Tijuana. Seems to have this team playing well. Of course, their star player, longtime Manchester United and Portuguese national team winger, Nanny, joined the team last season, has been contributing in both goals and assists ever since. Unfortunately for them, another big money star, Dom Dwyer, will not be playing as he recently underwent knee surgery. We got to give some credit to Orlando. You know, yes, no one expected them to be here. I would have never anticipated them them knocking off LAFC. You know, in my head, it was always going to be LAFC if we won this game. And they did it, right? They, they took them to penalties and won. Yeah, and they also drew Philadelphia in the group stage, 1-1. So they've been, they've been performing against decent teams. I'm excited for this match. Again, Thursday at 7 o'clock. I'm hoping it's not done yet. I, I'm really hoping we can keep going. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not super confident about the season after this tournament ends. I'm not ready to go back to watching Tiger King or... Yeah. Justin. Sam doesn't want to watch. He doesn't want to watch my documentary about Leeds United. He's <laughs> yeah. not. He's not ready to jump on that Leeds United hype train with me. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the regular season goes, which we talked about a lot in our episode seventeen, so if you haven't listened to episode seventeen, that is where we go into detail about the up to date plans for the MLS regular season. But this is a nice segue to our recurring award-winning segment the big cf that's right justin it's time for our club d football uh where should we start sam uh uh baseball baseball i'm gonna need you for this one i do not follow baseball as closely as you do so 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 as as you might know there's there's kind of two schools of thought right now for sports being back. So there's this idea of a bubble, which is what the MLS is using, which is what the NBA and WNBA are using. There's also a, like a, a fight island. Or did that actually happen with UFC? I don't know. They talked about having like sending everyone to an island and having that be kind of their bubble. But, you know, the bubble where everything is self-contained. You know, everyone that's in there has to quarantine before they go and then or when they arrive, excuse me. And then once that happens, once that occurs, then you can start playing games and kind of, you know, there's still obviously social distancing occurring, but you're 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 inside like in in MLS's case, they're at a resort in Orlando. That's where they're living. That's where they're playing games. But so far, the bubble has been fantastic. It was reported that both the MLS and the NBA did not have any positive tests the last time that those were announced this past week. So it shows that this bubble idea works. Part of the reason why the bubble can work for these things is because they're just small scale things, right? It's a tournament for the it's a tournament for the MLS. For basketball, the teams are just smaller. That's a part of the thing. And it's also not a full season. It's it's finishing up the season and then concluding with the playoffs. That's one way of handling sports within this pandemic. The other is 
to have each team just basically like operate as normal as a normal team would, but just having extra precautions, extra things for the, the, the teams to take care of. But all the players are not staying in a hotel and then playing at the hotel. They are living their lives on their own, doing whatever, I guess. And they are going to the, the, the stadium to play games or they're staying in a hotel in a away town to go play games. You know, obviously they're being asked to do precautionary measures, but it's not quite as contained. And we are, there were, there were already reservations about this idea of, you know, kind of just having players kind of take care of themselves and teams take care of themselves. There were concerns about whether or not that would be successful and very true to our big CF. And we've already talked about this before. It's not going great for a couple teams in the MLB in the major league baseball league. There have been 17 games that have already been postponed because of COVID related cancel or postponements in the past 10 days. Uh, most of them are including, or most of mostly involving players from the Cardinals and the Marlins. So the Marlins were the initial team that, that, you know, that, that started to have outbreaks. They had at one point 30% of their players positive for COVID. Um, it's, it's, um, there, there was actually a, a crazy thing, Sam. They were in uh, Philadelphia, right, when they found out that everyone had COVID. So they put everyone, Sam, in a hotel. They just made them stay in the hotel room. And then they put them on a bus and drove them back <laughs> to Miami. <laughs> like right now, it might be happening right now, but there's a bunch of a COVID bus going <laughs> from Philadelphia. So because the, they're, t- they're like, feel bad that they're, they're quarantining these guys in a hotel and Philadelphia, but they're sending them back to Miami. <laughs> I hope it's a greyhound. <laughs> Just added punishment because it all came from a bar, right? Yeah. So yeah. The MLB knows specifically which player it was. At least one player had a night out in Atlanta when they were supposed to be at the team hotel, got COVID oh. from this bar in Atlanta brought it back, spread it around the locker room. So I don't know. I've taken a long trip on a Greyhound bus. It's not the most enjoyable thing in the world. So hopefully that player gets to ride a Greyhound bus (laughs) all the way back to Miami. Yeah. So, so it sounds like the biggest problem that these teams are happening, having uh, with this idea of, you know, self-responsibility and not being in a bubble is, is making sure that the players follow through with taking care of themselves and avoiding situations like that. Recently, as this, this past week, Rob Manford, who's the commissioner of the, M, like, of the MLB, he put out a statement to the players and, and they have decided that at any time, the league can pull the plug on this season if players don't turn things around. So basically, the, the commissioner of the MLB is giving a very stern talking to all the players and has told them if they don't st- if they keep messing up the season's going to be over right they're going to shut things down you can't operate there was a point where 20% of the teams weren't playing because of these things right and there's a certain point where it's just they, they can't keep canceling games they are not canceling but they can't keep postponing games games need to be played they need to take that responsibility obviously the teams are doing everything they can but it, it comes down to the players and they need to take this seriously as well 
because it doesn't just affect them, it affects the whole league. So you've heard other players from other teams stepping out and making comments about how, you know, you can't always be thinking about yourself because we're all like, basically, we're all going to lose money if you mess this up for us. So do what you're supposed to do, right? Be responsible and we get to play. If you don't, your checks aren't, you're not going to get checked. You're not, you're not going to get money for this. So do you want to get paid or not? Right. <laughs> That's kind of what it comes down to. The commissioner also acknowledged the ESPN. The commissioner said that some teams might not play all 60 games. And if that's the case, then win percentage may have to be used to calculate the final standings. And I just find that so interesting because I'm already hearing about baseball fans complaining that there are only 60 games. So what's the (laughs) point in having the season? And (laughs) to hear that, you know, some team is going to get screwed. Of course, they like opened up the playoffs so wide that the team that gets, I mean, that's what the MLS is doing too. We've joked about that. Um, but, but it might be, it's actually worse though, Sam, for, for baseball, because like it's either you're going for it or you're tanking. So there are teams that have had no, like no interest in going to the playoffs that might make it this year. <laughs> it's all interesting stuff. Now the guy that, really wanted his chicken wings that wasn't a baseball player was it or was that <laughs> so so sam's sam's thinking about lou williams so uh there's there's a uh there's a player in the nba so we talked about this bubble right so the players aren't allowed to leave their bubble uh they have to stay within the confines there was actually a player sam i don't know if you heard about this but uh, all their foods being cooked you know in-house uh, some guys brought their own personal chefs but some some guys are just relying on the food of the resort there's a couple of them that aren't big fans. So one guy actually was like, oh, sweet. I could just get DoorDash delivered. <laughs> uh, and he he left the bubble to pick up his bag of food. And then they wouldn't let him back in. He had to re-quarantine because he went to go get his DoorDash. So, so, so we've already seen a guy compromise the bubble. And he had to go back in and do his 14 days all over again. Uh, <laughs> which is crazy. But don't leave the bubble. But anyway... Lou Williams, he w- got permission to leave. So this wasn't this wasn't him just dipping on the team. He got permission to leave the bubble to uh, it was it was to take care of a personal matter. And he got he showed up on some some rapper's Instagram uh, at a strip club <laughs> in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> So excused absence was allowed to be was allowed <laughs> to leave, but hanging out at a strip club. Uh, and I think I think Sam, the story only gets better. <laughs> right, because he had an excuse for being at the strip club. He had an excuse. He wasn't he wasn't there for the strippers. No. Right. <laughs> no. The chicken wings, Sam. The chicken wings. <laughs> Apparently. It has come to our knowledge, and, and Lou Williams first, you know, said this, but apparently this strip club has the best chicken wings ever. And so people, of course, like, and I'm sure you're you're saying, okay, and you're like, right, buddy, right. Those chicken wings can't be that good. If you go to the Google page, I'm not kidding, Sam, and ma- but make sure that you're going incognito, right? Don't go, don't go on your normal Google. But if you look up Magic City. And you Magic look at their, <laughs> and you look at their the the reviews of this place. Honest to God, 
most of them are about how good the chicken wings are. And it's it's review after review. And these aren't just planted reviews, because sometimes that'll happen, right? When when something happens, like someone will say something like when when the the riots happened in Minneapolis and the third precinct burnt down, someone gave it a one star review, the third precinct police station, and said they gave it a one star because it's burnt down. Like that's a joke, right? Like people do that. Like these are like year old, multiple year old reviews talking about the chicken wings. So apparently wow. they're amazing. Well, it's like Kansas City Joe's, formerly Oklahoma Joe's in Kansas City, Kansas. Some of the best barbecue in town, and it's in a convenience store attached right. to a gas station, right? <laughs> like <laughs> not where you would expect getting brisket, but it's amazing. Um, <laughs> and you have to wait in line. The first time we went there, we waited in line like two and a half hours just to get that brisket. Right. <laughs> and it was good brisket. Wish they would have I, had I think, some refreshments while we were in line, but <laughs> at a gas station, can you can you just go go get a go get a soda from the convenience store? I mean, if you're waiting in line in the sun for two and a half hours, you don't want a soda. You want a beer. That's yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I wanted to add. I wanted to add to what we were saying before about this whole ordeal. So the probably the funniest thing, like it, not the funniest thing, but just another funny element to this is. Bomani Jones, who is on ESPN, he's a great sports writer, uh, has has frequented this Magic City place, okay. and and he brought up because Lou said Lou said he took the proper precautions. He didn't stay at the strip club. He just got the wings to go. Okay, <laughs> and he's like he made sure to like stay away from people, and that he made sure that he was being responsible with where he was. Bomani Jones on ESPN pulls up the floor plan of the strip club and describes how there's no way he could get those chicken wings without interacting with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what in the world, what does this come to when we're, we're talking about floor plans of strip clubs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> chicken wings during pandemics, you know? Oh boy. Just, just, an, just another, just, Perfect example of, of why this isn't the big, big CF. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2020, what can you say? But what can you say? You know, and I don't want to keep talking about other sports that are not uh, MLS, but it's such a mess trying to control professional athletes. Can you imagine how does the NCAA think that they oh. can possibly have a season? There's no way, like, Sam. College football teams, they're so big. How big is a college football roster? Like 90 players, something like that? Uh, easily 100. You know, they have they have, uh, they have have something like 70 scholarships and then for Division One, and then, you know, a, a ton of walk-ons. Also, okay. football. Sam, football is like the most contact of all the sports. Well, and <laughs> they all live in close proximity, like dorms, right. apartment buildings, these tiny houses with all these roommates. They're college kids, right? And a lot of these colleges are in states that don't have a lot of restrictions and the bars are open. And if the bars aren't open, the frat houses are. And are you telling me that on a team of 100 college football players that not one of them is going to either go out to a bar or go to a frat house or go to the Magic City? Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's not going to happen. Sam, as a former college football player, 
there are, I, I want to say it's maybe it's not like 50%, but like 25% of the guys that play football, the literally the only reason they play football is to wear that Jersey and to go to parties and have people point them out and know that they're on, they wear their jumpsuits, they'll wear their gear. They want someone to say, do you play for the team? Like they want that. That's what they want. They want that social experience. They want to go out to parties and they want people to look at them and know that they're there. And I can't like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine telling a hundred guys and having it work all to stay in their dorms at night and read their books and just, you know, just, just play Xbox, you know, don't go to the frat parties. You know, I know that's why you're here in the first place, but just, you got to take it seriously. If you have to play beer pong, make sure it's water in the cups. <laughs> hand sanitize, <laughs> hand sanitize between throws. It, you know, it, on a serious note too, though, like uh, there was a, there was an article that came out about the SEC, uh, the the southeastern, you know, the whatever conference, uh, and they had like a they had a panel talk to this this group of of players, you know, leadership from each team that had questions about what you know the conference was going to be doing. And one of the players said something like, like, I can control myself, you know, like I can trust that I'm doing the right thing, but I'm going to be in classes with kids that don't care. What am I supposed to do? Right? Like if I'm doing everything right, but I got the kid next to me that was doing keg stands (laughs) at the party last night, you know, like he's, he's not wearing a mask. Like, what am I supposed to do? And the, the, the person's response was, well, just, you know, politely tell the other people to be respectful. And I'm sorry, but in 2020, that stuff doesn't fly, Sam. You ask somebody to you ask somebody to wear a mask, and they're going to spit in your face. You know, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Am I not in America? <laughs> All right, but how does this apply? How how do we think this is going to play out then with the MLS? Not college students, though. Some of them are younger than college students. Some of them are high school students. <laughs> um, I'm a Chacon and Fred Emmings. <laughs> do not go to Fret Row when you're not playing games. Well, you're not old enough to be there anyway, but don't go. Don't go. Yeah, exactly. Don't go. But yeah, they're not going to be in a bubble. I think it's it's safe to say MLS players are going to be more responsible than college players. And I, I do think there is something to be said for these aren't millionaire athletes, not all of them anyway, some of them are, but the majority of them are not millionaire athletes. And I do think may, maybe I'm naive here, but I think that that makes things a little bit different. I think that these players have more to lose if something goes wrong, but out of the bubble, trying to get a regular season going, trying to get a regular season going without getting COVID How's it supposed to go? And I will say, you know, USL, both the championship division and league one division, they're currently playing, right? Like forward Madison in the third tier of American soccer is playing games right now. And so far so good. But what do we see for the MLS regular season? What's the level of testing these USL teams have? Do we know anything about that? Like, are they testing these players daily, weekly? I'm not sure how frequently it is, but they are getting they are getting tested regularly. Because obviously, like the reason why 
you know, like the reason why theoretically the MLB should be able to keep things under control is because they have enough money, money to pay for testing, right? Like that's, you know, they have the money to put, to put towards strategies of keeping this stuff contained, keeping their players safe and everything. I'm just, you know, it's it's like, I wonder if the USL has the ability, like has the cash for that. Does MLS the same amount, but right. You know, I, I think that the MLS, it's going to be, it's going to be similar to what baseball is going through right now. I think baseball is, is definitely the guinea pig that the rest of the leagues are going to look at when, when we leave the bubbles, when they leave the bubbles and have to play their games. Cause think about it too, right? They, they probably want the NBA to have a season next year. We don't know how long this is going to last, right? So they're not, the bubble isn't going to last forever. It can't last forever. So right now what the MLS or the MLB, excuse me, is going through, you know, is kind of the guinea pig for everybody else. You know, hopefully they can be successful. Hopefully other teams can learn from their successes and failures and find ways to improve systems so that we don't have to lose players. Uh, but I think a lot of it just comes out to accountability of the players, you know, and, and that's what it has to be, right? Like you need to understand that you are a professional. You only have so much time on this earth to play a game for a living and make money off of it. And like you said, a lot of these MLS guys, they're not, they're not making millions of dollars. They need this, right? Like they, and like they don't know how much longer they're going to get to live off of a game. So be smart, be responsible. Even if you don't think it's real, you, you got to just, you got to take care of yourself so that other people can be fine, you know, and you can limit the ability for this thing to spread. Yeah, well well said. I can't say that better. In the meantime, I hope the Loons play like they have two games left this season because we we don't know. By the time this podcast publishes, MLB might announce that another team has COVID running through it and that the season cannot continue. And if the MLB can't, how quickly does the MLS follow? Right. This MLS is back tournament. I'm watching it like this might be it. And I hope I'm wrong, but I am excited. Like this is the semifinal of the whole league. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way, Sam. Obviously it's different because our team's in it, you know, this far, but it, it feels special. You know, it, it feels cool that, that there are four teams remaining and in, in our team is one of them. All right. That is all we have for this episode. Minnesota or Orlando, hopefully Minnesota will advance to the final against either Philadelphia or Nate's Portland Timbers on August 11th. Let's go for that trophy. That's all I have to say. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Let's get it, boys. 